0: Good afternoon. I have a sleeping disorder. I used to almost make fun of one of the elderly members of our congregation who could fall asleep just by sitting down in an afternoon. Um, And now I can easily do that myself. And uh, so if you feel you'd be better off, you know, you can catch the notes later, you, you listen to the tape or something it 's okay i I understand hopefully i won 't fall asleep up here as some of you know, I often start with a few personal remarks, so i 'd like to do that uh, if I may. I would indeed like to thank the congregation here at Murray Road for setting up and hosting this meeting. I know it was perhaps on shorter notice than you had hoped for, but um, I know that you will be blessed uh, for having done this. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. And looking at the program, wow, I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good stuff. I'd also like to thank all of you for being present today. I know for some of you, uh, you had to travel long distances and, you know, this is not convenient. But you chose to do this uh, and, uh, and I hope that you also will be blessed I hope that the thoughts that we share today and throughout this meeting will help further equip you as you serve the Lord. Um, I cannot help but miss a couple of people who have gone on to be with our Lord who aren't here with us today. I'm going to mention two, and you know, as soon as you start mentioning any, some will say, "Oh, how come you didn't mention so-and-so? You know, so, okay, I, I, I narrowed it down to two. Um, my sister Christy and uh, Tom Woody. And the reason I'm mentioning both of these, I could be in this position, and many of you have been in this position, and know if either of those or both of those people were in the audience, they were with you the whole time. If it was something where there was uh, audience discussion, they would participate with comments that, that made sense, that tied in with what you were saying, uh, and that further enriched the whole, the whole experience. And, and I miss them. And uh, I know that they are better off. But I still miss them, and you know I don't know who I can turn to now that's going to straighten me out if I goof this up somehow. But yeah. well, I'm going to turn to you for something different. I also cannot help but be thankful for those who are here. I'm specifically going to mention Glenn. I was going to anyway. You see, Glenn, Glenn is is my good laughometer one time I was in a setting not unlike this and I thought I was as funny as everything and Glenn is chuckling away, ho 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 and the only one <laughs> and everybody else is going like they couldn't believe I was saying what I was saying so I don't know. It was it was very awkward. So um if you hear Glenn laugh it's okay. He's he 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 was Thinking it was funny, and I thought it was funny, and so it must have been funny. But anyway, um, although I will warn you, Glenn, I don't have a lot of funny things planned in this lesson. So <laughs> just just be aware. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> he just shakes his head like this (laughs) I am thankful for all of you who are here there's work for us all to do in the few remaining days that we have here on this earth and another thing as I was preparing this lesson I came across something that I had not really thought of before there is a uncanny resemblance between the various members of the church and I'm talking a physical resemblance And, you know, I'm going to list just a few here, but there are more that could could be added to this list. You would expect perhaps some resemblance between these two guys because they're related. They have the same last name. But um, these guys, they all look really a lot alike. (laughs) Don't believe me? Here, I'll show you the source. Can you see that? (laughs) this is from the website where the the teachers were supposed to submit a picture. So. You know, my sister's cousin was also a sister-in-law and, you know, they say our family tree doesn't fork and stuff, but I don't know. Not just our family. (laughs) Today's topic is protecting the lambs. In Acts, the 20th chapter, when Paul has called the Ephesian elders, he says to them, uh, I'll be starting in verse 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul is very concerned. About the situation of the church. And he is warning the Ephesian elders here that there are going to be problems. He says, first of all, take heed over yourselves. You as individuals, take heed over yourselves. Be sure you are right with God. He says, take heed over the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It is an elder's responsibility to care for their flock, for their congregation. Because savage wolves are coming, the flock will not be spared. From among you, from among perhaps even the elders, men will rise up and speak perverse things. Disciples will be drawn away to them. That's dangerous stuff. And it's not unique to the church at Ephesus. And this issue of protecting the lambs is not just the responsibility of the elders. It is, you know, they are the ultimate responsible humans here, but each of us can participate in helping the flock to be safe. Who are the most vulnerable from within the flock? Well, if we were thinking about sheep, we would say the weak, the sick, the young. The topic is protecting the lambs. And the instructions, as I understood them, was to focus on the young in Christ. Now, that might not necessarily be a young person, but the new believer, the young in Christ. How can we help protect them? So, what should be done concerning the young in Christ? We should nurture them. We should feed them the milk of the Word while they are young. We should help them to transition to the meat of the Word. We should pray for them. I heard one person say, Why do we spend so little time in prayer when prayer can do so much? Pray for them. How many times do you hear the Apostle Paul write about how he has prayed for whomever it is that he's writing to? Pray for them and love them. There was much said about that this morning, and I thank the previous speakers. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the end of the fifth chapter, and the beginning of the sixth chapter, starting in Hebrews 5.12. Uh, the writer of Hebrews here is chastising, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, these people for not being mature. But I think we can learn something about the young in Christ from this passage. For though by the time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes of only milk partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but solid food belongs to those who are full of age that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil that's an interesting definition i think of the mature Christian. Let me look at that again. or Let's look at that, or just read that at least again. Verse 14: But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again. The foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Look at the things that are listed here that he says we're not going to go on, we're not going to talk about this anymore. This is the elementary teachings, the elementary principles, the milk of the word, Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. Okay, yeah, that that seems like elementary. The doctrine of baptisms, plural. Laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. How are you mature Christians on some of this stuff? These are listed as the elementary truths, the elementary principles. These are things that young folk in Christ, those who are young in Christ, babes in Christ, they need this information. So how are those who are young in Christ going to get these elementary principles? And I'm I'm just going to ask questions to provoke your thought. And the answers may differ from congregation to congregation. Um, When we assemble, do our Bible studies include these topics? You know, we're studying premillennial dispensationalism, and the baby in Christ is sitting there going. You know, there needs, in some situations, there needs to be something for those who are new in Christ. We have adults in our congregation who are new to the faith. We do a little, kind of like a children's drill, at the beginning of our Sunday morning time together, only it's with everybody. And we are learning our books of the Bible. And we're memorizing scriptures uh, and things like that, and singing songs that the children like. But older people are liking them too. And sometimes an adult isn't. If they're new to the faith, they're not going to sit down and learn their books of the Bible or memorize an important passage. Um, and so we've worked that into our regular assembly to include those folks. Um, it might not be appropriate for what you're doing but give some thought to what is being taught are the speakers addressing these kinds of issues in, in their rotation um, it's important are these individuals who are young in Christ are they involved in individual studies with mature members of the body I once I'm not sure what I said wrong but I know I said something wrong uh a A woman had called the, con- the the building uh and Emery was the only one there he was it was early on a Sunday morning, and Emery took the phone call and uh it, Emery understood it that she wanted to be baptized, and you know this is somebody we don't know uh and so she shows up that Sunday morning, and I talked to her a little bit, and um she said, "Oh no, no not today." And I said, okay, well, would you like to set up a a home, this is the way I worded it, a home Bible study, thinking my wife and I could go over and we could, you know, go over things. And and I would certainly feel more comfortable about that, that she understands what she's doing before we just baptize her kind of thing. And uh, when I said home Bible study, it, it was clear that there was something wrong with that notion. And I said, or, well, we could study here or at our house. It doesn't have to be in your home. I was thinking, you know, maybe... Her home is not a place where she wants visitors to be, uh, and and she was still polite about it, but she really backed off of that. Uh, and then she sort of gave me the indication that yeah, she might be interested. And I called her the next day on the phone, and she said, "No, I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to seek out a different church." And hmm, I thought that was that was kind of odd. Uh, so sometimes you don't even know what it is that you said wrong, but sometimes we do. But it is important sometimes to have these individual studies home, at their home or at the church building or, or somewhere uh, because they're going to have situations and questions that are different than perhaps those of us who mature in Christ. And are they able to get those specific questions and concerns addressed? And are they connected with the body? And do they understand why we do the things we do as Christians along the lines of connected with the body do they understand the idea of being a member of the congregation as well as a member of Christ's body universal Um, and and I've heard all kinds of various notions of that as far as being part of the body Uh, you know I heard somebody say well I don't believe in organized religion I believe in Christ but I don't believe in organized religion so does that mean they believe in disorganized religion or, you know, what they really meant, I think, is I don't want to be part of a congregation. You know, I can believe in Christ and I'll be okay. That I don't, you know, I don't have to go to church and you know all that stuff. Um, and and I think people need teaching along those lines. And sometimes there's just no other way but an individual study to get that taken care of. Um, I, I know a young man who didn't mind coming to to services at all but did not want to be a member of any congregation Uh, he had been in the military he had not had a good experience there he didn't like one man being over another man and you know probably somebody barked at him too many times and he didn't enjoy that experience Um, which you know I can understand not enjoying that experience but he likened the church authority that way because you have elders who are over you and he didn't want any part of that. People come with all kinds of preconceived notions that have to be addressed from a scriptural point of view. Um, do they understand why we do the things that we do? One of the women in our congregation was studying with another woman, uh, a home Bible study type, an individual Bible study type situation, and I'm not sure how the topic came up, but it did um, of uh instrumental music and uh, the member of our congregation explained you know why we did what we did and all that, and the other woman was uh astonished and really thankful she was a woman of financial means, and she was ready to give us a donation because she thought we just couldn't afford a piano, and you know. I'll help these guys out a little bit, was what she was thinking. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not that way. Just because, well, people have all kinds of different experiences. And until you start talking about the subjects and addressing the questions, they don't know. We have a, a fairly recent member, and I mentioned the topic of mutual edification. And he said, what's that? And, you know, (laughs) well, obviously that part hadn't been discussed yet. So we need to talk about what that is and why we do what we do. It's important for the young people in Christ, for those who are young in Christ, to get access to this information, to be taught these things. And sometimes we just take it all for granted because we've been doing it forever. And they should get it by, what, osmosis? I don't know, you know we got to teach it to them. If you are a mature member of the body, are you able to help those who are young in Christ? What if they are different? And I could get stuck on this for a long time. You know, people who are like me, I like. Because they're like me. And if you're like me, you like people who are like you too. But people who are different might not be all that likable. And it can be different for all kinds of reasons socioeconomic, age, race, language. What if it's somebody who doesn't like to read or can't read? What if it's somebody who doesn't like to sing? What if it's somebody who's in prison? I can do the what-ifs for a long time on this. Uh, And, you know, how far are we going to go to help someone who is a lot different than we are? Or are we just going to give up because they're different and I don't really care for them because they're different? If that's the only reason we're not involved in teaching them and helping them, shame on us. Christ died for all people. Not just those who are just like me. What if you're not a leader in the church? Well, I'll let the leaders in the church take care of that. They're the ones who have the ultimate responsibility. They can't do it all. They can't. the lady who was talking with the other lady about that she didn't need to give us a donation for the piano wasn't a leader in the church. Her husband wasn't a leader in the church. She was just a good Bible student who loved the Lord and wanted to share the word with someone else and was doing that. I think we all have a responsibility to teach the word not just to those who have been baptized. I mean, not just to those who have not yet been baptized. You know, bring them to Christ. Because sometimes we, 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 we stop there. Okay, they've been baptized. Now it's all, all done. It's all good. Well, no. That's when the work really needs to start. That's when Satan's really going to try and get at them. He had them before. Now they've been baptized. Now he's going to want to see what he can do. What if you're not the one who brought them to Christ? Often the one who brings them to Christ is the one who has a, feels a responsibility to, you know, to continue and help them along. But it doesn't always work that way. And sometimes it's even better that somebody else take over that responsibility or assist in the teaching. Of the new Christian. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters but God, who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Sometimes you'll plant and somebody else will water. Sometimes somebody else will plant and you'll water. Sometimes all we have is fertilizer. But that's important, too. It's not in the Scripture. I'm not, you know... And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, now verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, by speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is the goal. That we all work together to build one another up with Christ as the head and each of us doing our part to help one another. Don't be a stumbling block to a new brother or sister. Don't be the one about whom they can say regarding some bad behavior, well, so-and-so does that, so it must be okay for me to do it. Be careful with that. The new brother or sister may be influenced in a negative way by my negative behavior. Don't do that. Don't be discouraged if someone falls away. In the parable of the sower, there are four types of soil. And in Matthew 13, starting at verse 18, Jesus gives... Uh, explanation of the meaning of the parable of the sower and summarizing it the first type of soil, the path this person did not believe and the evil one snatched away what was sown in his heart and what is sown of course is the word of God the rocky soil this person received the word at once but trouble or persecution came because of the word and this person fell away the soil with the thorns, this individual hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it. There are four types of soil here. The first three don't make it. The fourth type, the good soil, this person hears the word and understands it, and they produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, of those four types, probably the first type, the path, didn't ever really even believe. They didn't understand. They probably weren't baptized. But I think the other three, the rocky soil, they received the Word. They sprang up at once. They might have been baptized. But, Persecution came. They fell away. Or the soil with thorns. They hear it. Yeah, they get it. Yeah, this sounds pretty good. But eventually the worries of life or the deceitfulness of wealth. Do we even comprehend that in our wealthy nation? The deceitfulness of wealth. You're working. Wouldn't you like to have a raise? Yeah. Yeah. I'll work longer hours for more. Yeah. What will we do for more? What will we sacrifice for more things and stuff? I'm not sure we even recognize it as deceitful. Anyway, this person falls away. If you've done if you've done work in preaching the Lord to other people and been involved somehow in bringing someone to Christ, if you've done this multiple times, I'm sure that you have experienced those who have fallen away. I remember — I'll share with you one instance. This is many years ago. I was a coworker, and I didn't understand the dynamics of some of my fellow coworkers, but they were all picking on this woman. I mean, really severely. Picking on her. They didn't like her. They made fun of her. Uh, and we were all doing the same job. And I thought she did okay. I, I didn't get it why they, you know, were just picking on her. Anyway, one day she was, I noticed she was uh, reading from the scriptures. She had a Bible out. And uh, this is the passage that she was reading from. Leviticus 21, uh, verses 19 and 20. Or a man that is broken-footed, or broken-handed, or crook backed or a dwarf, or that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or hath his stones broken. King James. And I said, understand, Do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> no. What does it mean to have stones broken? So I translated King James for her, and from that passage, went on and taught her the gospel, which is a little odd connection to go from Lord there to. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Philip can do it. <laughs> And uh, it just so happened we were having a a, a gospel meeting. Uh, Tom Dennis was visiting at our congregation and giving lessons each Sunday, and uh, each evening rather. It's Sunday also, but each evening. And I invited her and she came and she listened and we, we talked about the gospel and being baptized and she was baptized. And, you know, all was looking pretty good. But then the next day she had to go back to work. And it was the same folks that were picking on her. And it didn't get any better. And pretty soon her self-confidence in her work was failing. And it caused her now to start making real mistakes. I mean, doing things wrong now. Uh, And, of course, that just was more fuel for the fire. And it got real ugly. She finally quit. Just quit. Didn't want to work there anymore wasn't long after that that she quit attending with us, too. Christ can make your life much, much better. But some things won't change immediately. After a person is baptized, they still have to go back to that same work situation or the same school situation or the same family situation. And it may take them a while to develop the internal skills necessary to really deal with those situations in a Christ-like manner. And we need to help them. But some will still fall away. If that happens, please don't give up. Well, so-and-so fell away and I, I saw to it that so-and-so was baptized and now they're not, you know, they've, they've fallen away and I, I just don't want to do it anymore. I give up. Don't give up. You don't know the hearts of people. I can't look at a person on the street and say, that's the one who's going to receive the gospel and it's going to really take root and he's going to produce a hundredfold. I can't tell that person. And I don't think we're instructed to do that. I think we're instructed to plant and to water and let God give the increase. And when they fall away for whatever reason, realize that that's what Christ predicted would happen. But we still need to plant and we still need to water. Those of you who do what we call dry farming, which is I think the only thing you do here in Missouri pretty much. um, uh, No. Now, California farming is still irrigated, most of it, while we still have a little bit of water. But in, in Christ would have come from an area where they probably would have done some irrigation too, because it's very similar climate-wise. Uh, and you have to water. We have a lot of agriculture in California. It's still our number one industry, which a lot of people are surprised at. They don't think of California always as agriculture. It's still our number one industry. But most of it is irrigated. We have to water. Kern County, where Bakersfield is, seven inches of rain is normal rainfall there. But yet they have all kinds of crops because it's irrigated. We can't depend on the natural rainfall to put the rain in the right places for our crops. So we irrigate. Well, we still have a little bit of water left in the reservoirs. If next year is another drought year, we're going to be in big trouble. As far as agriculture, your uh, your California produce is going to be real expensive all of a sudden. It's important to water. It's important to plant. That's our job. That's what. And let God give the increase, and rejoice when He does, and don't be discouraged if the person falls away. Only one out of the four types of soil produce good results. We often don't know the hearts of people and cannot predict the end result. Keep sowing, keep watering. So, what can I do to help the young in Christ? Teach, encourage. I knew a man who I considered him to be an excellent encourager. He knew what was going on in the lives of pretty much every Christian with whom he had some contact with. He knew what what they were about. He could go up to one of the young people and say, "So, how's football practice going with you?" Knowing that they were in football, or how's this working out, or how's that, and they get, you know, he'd get real answers because he cared and he knew. And he was a good encourager. Knew the skills of others and encouraged them to develop those. I think we could all be more like that. We need to pray. We need to be a good example. We need to love. And we need to be vigilant. Why? 1 Peter 5, eight, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I knew a young man one time who said, I'm not really worried about the devil. I'm a Christian. Well, that young man's drug habit caused him a lot a lot of problems he should have been worried about the devil because the devil got him be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour believe this scripture it is true let us help one another let us continue to plant and water and encourage and protect the lambs. Thank you for your attention.